welcome to 28 and Searching. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I have Jennifer Coleman on my show. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for coming on my show. Hey, thanks for having me. So to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you located at? How old are you? Do you have any dogs? What's going on? Sure. Um, well, like you said, my name is Jennifer Coleman. Um, I live in Akron, Ohio, over here on the East Coast. Um, and I'm 31, and I've been in my industry for about 11, 11 and a half years at this point, um, really in true accounting for the past five years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you definitely have to have some love for your job being in it so long. <laughs> yes, I definitely do. I, it's, I never thought I was going to love accounting, um, but the more I've gotten into it and the more I've you know, gotten further in my career, the more that I found that, yeah, I actually do really love my job, um, even though I didn't expect to. So. That's that's the best part about it. So what exactly is your job title and what does it mean? Like what kind of things do you do in a day to day? Sure. Um, so my title is cost accountant um, and probably the the preface disclosure is that, you know, everything I say is my own opinion doesn't reflect my company's opinions. Um, but I work for a company called Integral. Um, they're located here in Northeast Ohio, and they produce what's called insulated glass. Um, so as a cost accountant, I mainly focused on my Twinsburg plant, which produces a product called Blinds Between Glass. Um, and essentially what you have is you'll have one pane of glass, you'll have the blind unit within that, then you'll have another pane of glass, and then if you're doing a triple unit, you'll have a secondary pane of, or a third pane of glass okay. um, in addition to that. Um, as a cost accountant, um, it varies from company to company, depending on the size of the company, the culture of a company, um, and overall what the scope of the role is. Um, predominantly with cost accounting, what you have is you have someone who's coming in and saying, okay, here's what it costs to produce a particular product or to provide a particular service or to create a sort of process. Um, so typically within most cost accounting roles, it's a focus on what it takes to produce a product or a service, if you will, okay. um, and how that lines up with the financial statements. Um, and then sort of the subtext of that job is also helping management make decisions to produce a better product, um, to produce a more profitable product, um, and to generally guide operations so that it's not just the Wild West. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of So a, a cost accountant's going to be in a lot of manufacturing jobs, right? You're, that's a pretty predominant role for that type of business. Correct. And it's one where um, cost accounting really started in manufacturing, but it's expanded so far that you'll find cost accountants in banking. Um, you'll find them in software as a service. You'll find them pretty much... Anytime you're providing a product of any kind, um, whether it's tangible or intangible, you're going to have cost associated with that, and you're going to need a cost accountant in there. Okay, and so you'd say that, I mean, on your opinion, that those those skill sets for those industries would be pretty similar um, that you would use to be a cost accountant? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, very cool. All right, so how how did you get to be a cost accountant? Where Where did you come from? <laughs> that's that's actually a funny story. So I am not um, what I would deem a traditional accountant. Um, your traditional accountant 
goes from high school to college. They get their four-year degree in accounting, and then they go on to either public or private. Um, and that's the general trajectory of most accountants. Um, I actually started as a high school kid, um, graduating from high school and not wanting to go to college. Um, I didn't see a purpose. I didn't see a reason, and I didn't want to go, so yeah. I didn't. A lot of people um, and, there. I, and the kind of what I did was my parents said, hey, you can't live here and not work. You have to be doing something. And so I ended up going to work for Sterling Jewelers in collections, of all things. <laughs> and um, they are a, I think now they're about $6 billion company. Oh, wow. Um, when I was first started there, I think they're around $4 billion publicly held company um, that produced um, luxury retail jewelry, if I guess is probably the best way of phrasing that. Sure. Um, and so they did all of their own internal lending. And um, so they also did all of their own internal collections. And that's where I started out. Um, one of the things that I had done in that role was I had looked to see, okay, what is the minimum number of hours I have to work to also receive my bonus and keep my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yeah. so the manager there realized what I was doing and she goes, I think we need to put you in a different department. <laughs> and so <laughs> I really got my start in my field um, as what they called a dialer coordinator. And that was overseeing the dialer system that we had for collections um, doing a lot of forecasting, a lot of modeling, a lot of statistical analysis. Um, and I worked at Sterling for six plus years before I actually even started on my degree. Oh, wow. So I didn't end up actually getting my degree until about three years ago, um, at least in terms of completion. Sure. And um, that's not the traditional route. <laughs> I, will, I will be the first person to say that um, it's not the route I would recommend um, <laughs> because a lot of it depends on sheer dumb luck okay. um, because my manager would have been well within her rights just to fire me. Sure. Um, but she actually recognized, hey, this girl's got a talent for forecasting. Um, instead of punishing her for using it to game the system, let's put her in a department where we can actually utilize that talent. That takes um, a really good manager to do that. That's yes, yes, it does. <laughs> it really well, and they took a chance on me because I didn't have a degree. Um, I had no no formal training in any kind of analysis. I was just working off my own gut instinct. Okay. Um, and so I spent probably eight years total, I would say, maybe nine years if you include a short stint. I did a law firm in what I would call FP&A roles, and those are financial planning and analysis. Um, okay. Can you break so that I, down a little bit more? Sure. Um, so really, when you're looking at accounting as a whole and finance as a whole, um, you have your tax, you have your audit. Um, you have your financial accounting, and then you have your managerial accounting. And within managerial accounting, there's what's called FP&A. Um, and typically, that's someone who's not documenting results, but they're analyzing results. Okay. Um, it's a very forward-looking position. So there's a lot of positions within accounting that are purely to document historical activities okay. um, and present those in a logical way. Um, and in a fair way is one of the often touted lines. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's one where there's what we also we all dub, quote unquote, creative accounting. Sure. Um, yeah. 
But there's rules and there's guidelines in ensuring that we're all reporting the same way. Um, so it's a fair reporting system. Um, whereas in managerial accounting, there's no real rules. There's no one really governing how you do your own internal reporting because it doesn't go to shareholders um, and no one outside the company sees that information. Okay. Um, so FP&A focuses on where were we and what does that mean for the future? Okay. All right. In, in the most simple of terms, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so I did that really for about nine years. Um, and it wasn't until my role at Howden um, and my current role at Integral that I really dove deep into the accounting world, if you will, or the true accounting world, I guess. Sure. And so what exactly is your degree in? Um, so my degree is in, um, I graduated in 2014 from Hiram College here in Ohio, um, and it's a Bachelor of Arts in Financial Planning and Accounting. Okay. And so is there, um, is so that, that was pretty necessary that you had that, because you, even though with all that experience doing something similar to where you were going, you were still needing that degree to get into the next step of your position. Absolutely. Um, and accounting is one where you'll very, very rarely find positions for people that are purely experience based. Um, that degree is very much necessary, um, especially if you want to advance further in your career. And they're they're specifically looking for that accounting degree. There's not Correct. a lot. OK, because there's a lot of jobs where you can get different types of degrees. And it's just the fact that you have the degree. But for accounting, you're actually applying and learning the substance of your degree, essentially. Correct. And it's one where um, learning accounting is a lot like learning a new language. Um, you're not going to learn everything in your accounting classes that you need for the real world but you're getting that foundation, you're getting that basic structure of language. It's once you go out into the real world that you're learning your quote unquote dialect, if you will. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Um, so we know that from what you've told us that it's imperative to go get that degree at one point, but what would you say a good starting point is? So you're, you're going to school, you're getting the degree, but what would be a good beginning job to kind of get your feet wet to know where you can apply those skills after you get that degree? Um, I think, like I said, my, my route was very non-traditional um, and it was an uphill battle every step of the way. Um, so I would absolutely not recommend my method. Um, one of the things that I've always told the interns that I've had was that if you want to be an accountant, do your time in public. Um, so depending on the state that you're in, you have to look up, you know, what the CPA requirements are. Um, there's really two, maybe three big designations within accounting that really matter. Um, so you have your CPA or your CPA, you have your CMA, um, and you have your CPMG. Um, the CPA is the Certified Public Accountant, and that is the top tier. And I know there's a lot of CMAs who will start screaming at me for this, <laughs> but they can't really argue the fact that the CPA is the best designation that you can get as an accountant to open up any door that you want. Um, just under that is your CMA, um, and that's the Certified Managerial Accountant. 
Um, and that is specifically designed for managerial accountants. Um, you can get both. And I would highly recommend people get both, um, especially if they plan to do anything on the managerial side of accounting, especially for cost accountants. It's absolutely huge. Um, I don't, and it, it probably is one where you could argue either way, but I don't see the CMA ever really reaching the level of the CPA um, because the CPA is a legal designation um, and that's, it's different from a CMA. A CMA basically rubber stamps that yes, this person knows what they're doing. Um, whereas the CPA is an actual licensure. So um, could you say that there's there's a step? So like if you let's say you're a CMA, do you then have the option to go a step up to the CPA? Um, like would that be a up the ladder move, so to speak? Um, it would be an up the ladder move, but I wouldn't get the CMA in the belief that that will help you get the CPA, Okay, if that makes sense. Yep, that does make um, sense. It's two very different certifications, um, and the CPA um, has a different set of requirements than the CMA. Um, so I would always recommend someone, if they have the time and they have, um, if they are going that traditional route of going to high school and then going to college and getting their accounting degree, um, I would always recommend that they just go ahead and knock out their CPA as soon as they get out of college. Um, you're young, you have the time and the energy to do the 70, 80 hour work weeks in public. Go ahead, get it done while you're young. And it opens up pretty much every door for you once you get out of it. Okay, yeah. And and you mentioned that there um, you've had interns. So is internship something that's pretty common? Is that, you know... Is that something you have to be going to school for while you're also going, you know, some of the internships require you to be in college while you take them. Some of them don't. What What's kind of the qualifiers in your experience? Um, so, I mean, I would definitely to anyone who's in college who doesn't have any accounting experience, um, I would definitely recommend they get an internship, internship or two, um, especially their junior and senior year of college. Those are really the important years. And that's really the first time you, I hate to say it, but the first time you really know anything. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because it, when you're taking, when you're going to a traditional liberal arts college or even one of the public schools, um, those first two years tend to be your, you know, graduation requirements, your, your gen ed type courses. Um, and as much as I love, you know, my, my sophomore college students, um, they don't really know anything when all they've taken is like Western Civ. Sure. Um, and their geology classes and their biology classes and all the English writing th classes. So um, it's more beneficial for you to go junior, senior year as an intern. Yeah. And nobody's going to really hire somebody who knows the bare minimum of accounting. Um, so once you get into your junior year, that's really when you start tackling your harder classes um, and really the more applicable classes for accounting. Perfect. And, um, so and what one caveat on that, because I see yeah. it all over the place these days, um, there is absolutely no reason to take an unpaid internship in finance or accounting. <laughs> it drives me nuts when I see people saying, oh, I'll take an unpaid internship. And I'm going, no, 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 do not take an unpaid internship. <laughs> Do you are far more valuable in accounting. That's that's a normal practice. You're saying that those yes. are out there yes. because and there they're are very, some that don't. Do very that. well paid internships. Okay. 
Um, so if you're looking at less than probably 16 bucks an hour, you need to get out of there. Um, unless you're in a unique situation where, you know, you need to have a really flexible schedule or you live in a really, you know, less populated area, sure. you might have to take a little bit more um, or a little bit less. But all in all, you should be getting a pretty good wage when you're going into an internship and they should be providing quite a bit of training in that internship as well. So when we're talking about you specifically and your experience of what you've done, did I, I know you were at Howden, right? That's how you say mm-hmm. it. So yes. Howden, and you were going to school while you were at Howden, right? No. Um, so Howden was my first career or my first position after my graduation. So when you were going to school, did you serve any internships while I you didn't. were doing that? Okay. No. Um, I worked full-time and went to school full-time. Sure. So for me, um, basically my last two years or my last year at Sterling um, the year that I spent at a law firm and then two years that I was at Landmark, um, the, that was the time which I was getting my degree. So I was already working in my field um, as an accountant um, when I was getting my degree. So those you could say are okay. were my internships, but they were full-time positions. So do you think that not having that internship possibility or opportunity um, hindered you at all? Did it make it harder for you? Do you think it was at all something you look back on and think, wow, I would have really liked that opportunity? Um, I would say no. I would say actually a lot of, um, at least everyone that I've interviewed with and everyone that I've worked for since that time, um, and even really my boss when I was working at Landmark, they were all really impressed that I worked full-time and was going to school full-time. It shows a lot about time management, um, as well as dedication to the fact that I was essentially working 40, 50 hours a week, um, and then spending another 20, 30 on top of that in classes and doing homework and things of that nature. Um, So I don't think it hindered me at all. It wasn't fun. I didn't have much of a social life. (laughs) um, But for four years, you stick it out. But but, and for that time, though, it was pretty demanding of you. Right. So the schooling is not easy. It is something that you're going to want to put your time and effort into. Absolutely. Okay. so that I mean, that's important to kind of know. And I'm assuming, I mean, that degree is going to be it's highly influenced by mathematics. Is that right? To a degree. Um, I would say a lot of quantitative analysis, but that's also one where it depends on your program. Um, okay. Every college is unique in that sense of, is their accounting program more quantitative or is it more qualitative? Um, and you just have to pick the school that's right for you. There's really, you could argue that the more quantitative courses are the best ones. Um, but in that same sense, when I also see a lot of the soft skills lacking in some accountants, um, you could also say that the qualitative ones are probably better as well. So. It's all about finding the balance in the reality of it. Sure. And so if somebody wanted to go a less traditional route like you, if they wanted to work full time and go to school full time, are there like assistance to accountants? Are there jobs where you don't have to have that degree where you can still learn valuable skills in that specific career path? I think you can find them. Um, I mean, obviously, I found positions that they were um, excited to have me on board for my skill set um, and understood I didn't have a degree. Um, I think they're fewer and farther between. Um, and you've really got to know some people and you've really got to be able to um, 
prove what you can do before you'll be able to go into those roles. And that, I think, is the most difficult aspect. Um, sure. So networking would be a really... Um, you really need to be good at networking to be able to accomplish an unconventional route in this industry. Correct. Yes. Okay. And so what, what personality traits do you really think work best in cost accounting? What do you think somebody needs to really enjoy what they're doing? Um, well, there's the, the nice running joke um, that I always like to, to bring out when people are asking me about, you know, personality traits for accounting. Um, and the joke is that, um, what do you call an outgoing actuary? You call them an accountant. Um, <laughs> so I, it, people have long said, okay, if you're introverted or if you don't like working with people, you should go into accounting because it's just numbers. Um, and that's simply not the case anymore. Um, accounting has really, I would say, come leaps and bounds, especially as technology evolves. Um, and we start getting into some of the AI software um, that can do a lot of the things that were thought to be traditionally accounting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so one of the things that we've had a push for, and I would say probably the last 10 to 15 years, is what we call value-added accounting. Um, so we're not just the people standing back in the little corner watching everyone going, okay, I'm just going to write this down. Um, you'll see more and more accountants that are involved in day-to-day -day operations Um because they have the data and the information that the operations teams need to improve their product. Um, so you have to be able to work with people really, really well. Um, you have to become sort of a subject matter or subject matter expert um, within your own company to build trust and to help them make those decisions that they need to make. Um, so communication skills have to be top notch. Um, your willingness to work on teams, as cliche as it sounds, is absolutely crucial. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of really some other, I mean, you've got to be, it's one where you're still going to be that detailed, focused accountant. You're still going to have that conservative nature because that's that's simply who we are. Um, sure. But you've got to have those interpersonal skills to build relationships, to build trust, um, and not being afraid to get your hands on the product. I think that's where a lot of cost accountants go wrong is they don't spend enough time on the floor working with the product um, and working with the people that actually have their hands on the product. And so I'm assuming that's something that you've done well that served you well to be able to make that statement, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Um, my best ideas always come from the folks on the floor, um, the people that are really at um, you know, ground zero when it comes to producing our products, they are always going to have better ideas than somebody sitting in an office so 10 what, times out of 10. So what would you say is the one skill that you have that you think that you love to use that you think is added to this career on a consistent basis that makes you attracted to it? Hmm. Because you're, you're way out, way more outgoing than most accounts that I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, yeah, and I would say that that's, um, I would say relationship building more than anything else. I mean, you're, you're never going to get very far as an accountant without the technical skill, without that foundational knowledge of accounting. Um, 
But even more than that, you're not going to get very far in accounting without being able to build relationships um, and develop that two-way street of communication. Um, if you want a job where you're, you know, isolated in the ivory tower, so to speak, um, you should go be an actuary. Um, can, can you find you should that not be within, an accountant. Can you find that within accounting? Because it sounds like there's a lot of different positions with it like yes you're an accountant but there's it seems like there's a lot of different titling because you're a cost accountant which i did not know what was um until you and i've talked and so are there positions within this career choice that maybe utilize different skill sets where maybe if you are an introvert you can be in that corner or has it all kind of changed um I would say for the most part, it is all kind of changed. Um, there's obviously, I mean, there's definitely roles that have less interaction. Um, when you're dealing with like AP accounts payable, um, AR accounts receivable, um, those positions tend to be less involved in the day-to-day -day because they don't need to be. Um, and they tend to be, we'll say more quiet roles, if you will. Okay. Um, but there's still a lot of intercompany communication, um, and there's a lot of things, especially as um, I think a lot of accountants look down on AP and AR as somehow being lesser, um, but they don't really realize the full impact that your AP and AR departments can have on your company, especially in terms of cash flow. Um, I see those two departments as really as powerhouses. They're what really keep the company moving because either they're paying vendors or they're pulling money from customers and you can't continue your business unless you have those people, you know, you have strong people in those roles. Um, especially when it comes to looking at things like cash flow, which is absolutely crucial for any company. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed in some of my searching of like smaller jobs, they may only have those two positions and then, uh, you know, license, like, farm out their CPA almost like hire mm -hmm. a firm yeah. to look over that. Yep. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it's one where you can definitely, again, it's one of those where it depends on the culture of the company. Um, there are some companies out there that are far more siloed. And so they, when they have their accounting departments, their accountants are not on the shop floor. Um, the accountants are not interacting with operations on the same level that I prefer. Um, they're really more pulled back and restrained. Um, sure. But I've never been that kind of person. So <laughs> um, I always want all the details and I want to see it because I'm very much a visual person. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're telling me, okay, you know, this fluid drive isn't going to go out because it has this issue. I want to see it. I want to talk to whoever's actually working on it and go, okay, what the heck's going on? What can I do to help? How can I facilitate so that, you know, I can either remove a roadblock or I can get someone out of your way so you can get the job done. Um, and that's not a, that's not a traditional accounting action at all. Um, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to financials. So if there's something that I can do to improve our financials and that requires me, you know, putting on my steel toes and going on the shop floor, that's what I want to do. <laughs> well, that's that's really the the whole putting it all on the floor, right? That's mm -hmm. you're putting it all on the mat. So, on the flip side of that, what would you what would you say is a personality trait that would really flounder? I know you talked about introverts and how that's 
that's changing now. So, you know, it's becoming a more communicative position than it used to be in the past. What what other personality traits do you think would really flounder in your position? Um, well, I don't think that um, introversion is necessarily a downside. I'm, I'm very much of an introvert. Um, everybody calls me their lovable little hermit. Um, <laughs> but I've learned the social skills that I need so that I'm a sociable introvert. <laughs> sure. Um, I would say people who are um, that are not detail oriented. Okay. Um, people that are not open to criticism, and by criticism I mean constructive criticism, um, and people that are not interested in growing in technology and technical skills. Um, if you're not comfortable working with a computer, I would not recommend going into accounting at all. Um, we're very, very heavily systems oriented. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean you need to learn programming, though it definitely would not hurt. Yeah. Um, you have to be comfortable using a computer. You have to be comfortable using Excel. Um, and I think if you are not willing to continuously learn and change, because accounting is, is always changing. Um, that's the one thing that I think in any field actually really holds true. If you're not comfortable with change, you're not going to be comfortable in accounting. Sure. Sure. So is there, is there anything that you have over, had to overcome in your personality to really enjoy your position? Was there anything that you kind of graded against you at first with the way that things were done that maybe you've changed or maybe you've changed the position to fit you? Um, I think probably when I started at Sterling, I think that really molded a lot of who I am today. Um, so Sterling Jewelers is um, by far and away the most formal company that I've worked at. Um, they were very clear in their chain of command. They were very clear on, um, you know, if you wanted to do something outside of your role, you had to get permission. Um, and so there's a lot of siloing that happened at Sterling that is one of the reasons why whenever I look at a company and I consider them for an opportunity that they're presenting me, um, I always make sure that they understand that I'm the lady that shows up in blue jeans and steel toes. <laughs> I don't want to be siloed. <laughs> okay. I don't want to be stuck in, a, in an office all day long um, and not be allowed the opportunity to go out on the floor. Um, I don't do well in highly structured environments. And so for me, being in manufacturing and being at smaller companies really suits me much better than larger companies. Um, so even with that trait, which from my understanding is not a traditional accountant, especially because, um, you know, they tend to be very structured, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so even having that personality type, you can still find something that's fitting for you so that you can utilize the skills that you love to be in this career position. Correct. Um, and it's actually one that I found that it's becoming more in demand the more management changes. Um, so obviously, if you look back 40 years, you'd see very, very rigid management structures um, and very hierarchical. That's, I think that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> I can spell it. I can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a reader's curse. Um, yeah, it, it really is. And a writer's curse. Um, but you have these 
companies that started off very, very rigid in their chain of command and how things were done and what was expected of each role. And that really has been kind of turned on its head these days um, because you have, yes, you will always have management guiding the overall route, um, but it's become less about how you get it done and more about the fact that you can get it done. Um, so they're more open to creativity. They're more open to um, bringing in new ideas and new processes. And people are finally get starting to get comfortable with the idea that, you know, accountants want to do more with what they, we do. Um, it goes back to that whole value added. We know that in 20 years, 90% of accounting is going to be automated by computer systems. So we have to figure out a way to develop ourselves into keeping our jobs, essentially. To be relevant. Uh, but developing, developing ourselves into advisors more than data monkeys, if you will. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I should call us data monkeys, though. People <laughs> might be offended by that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's okay. <laughs> but we have to focus less on the technical report building and all the things that computers can do and focus more on the analysis and what does that data really mean and what decisions should be made from that data. So, so it's really evolving. So you're saying that accounting is becoming something that maybe people didn't think it was before. So absolutely. more people that may have that those qualities who may actually really be interested in accounting are staying away from it because of old tropes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, th that makes that makes a lot of sense. So let's say you as a cost accountant right now and you're in your position you love this position but let's say five years down the road you kind of want to move around is there a ladder so is there a way you can move up or can you move lateral can you kind of finesse what you're doing is there a way to make more money is there a way to um you know maybe change kind of change what you're doing with the same skills and education you have right now um, I think there definitely is. Um, I would say there's probably maybe two main ladders, if you want to look at it in that sense. Um, from what I've seen um, of the people that I know that are in cost accounting, um, they typically go one of two routes. They either um, go and get their MBA and they get their CPA and they go the um, plant controller, controller, CFO route. Um, sometimes they branch off into like finance director um, or they'll go from cost accountant to cost accounting manager um, to controller and so on. And they'll go up that traditional route um, to CFO. That's um, what I was just going to ask is if CFO was a possibility or if that was outside of that career realm. No, it's, um, it's actually one of the things that um, from what I've seen in my own research to figure out, you know, do I actually want to be a CFO? Um, that I found is that, you know, a CFO is more than just your chief financial officer. They also have a huge impact on operations and decision-making and overall strategic planning. Mm -hmm. um, so having a costing background will never be a detriment to a CFO. Um, okay. Because there's a lot of manipulation you can do within cost accounting. And I think that's something that um, a lot of people who look at it kind of from a generic broad standpoint is they forget how much a cost accountant can manipulate costs. Um, because obviously you're always looking for that central truth. But if there's a particular line that you're looking at or a particular product line, um, you could very easily cost a company out of business by 
allocating costs to particular product lines that shouldn't necessarily have them. Sure. Um, and so you oftentimes you'll actually usually see an operations and a cost accountant rise together and they usually go in pairs. It's really funny to watch um, <laughs> because you'll oftentimes see the pair rise through the ranks and then they'll move together to another company. Or even if they stay at that same company, you'll oftentimes see the COO also and the CFO also used to be operations manager and cost accountant together. So, so those are two kind of very interconnected roles. So you want to Absolutely. make sure you have the right partnership for that. Yes, because really the, the operations manager is there to execute and make decisions based on the cost accountant's information. Okay. So th- so you'd say that a cost accountant can almost have like a partnership, right? It's not isolated as much as a job because you're, you, the, the quality of your job really depends on this other person also doing well. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And then I also see cost accountants oftentimes, um, they tend to go into systems, um, into accounting information systems. They'll oftentimes become programmers. And so they'll move into roles that are more systems related um, than necessarily pure accounting. Um, And that's really because cost accountants deep dive into products. Um, And especially as ERPs become more sophisticated, you have... um, there's no one other than an engineer that would really understand a product as well as a cost accountant does, or a good okay. cost accountant, I should say. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's always the good and the bads, right? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a cost accountant, they really need to know everything that goes into producing a product so that they can cost it appropriately. Um, and the only other individual, usually at a company or team at a company, um, that's going to have that kind of in-depth knowledge. Even if the cost accountant doesn't always know the mechanics behind it, they're going to know every step in that process, every piece, every component that goes into that product, um, all has to be accounted for in the costing. Um, so you very rarely in any other role get that level of detail. Um, and that integrates really, really well with ERPs and setting up bombs within those systems um, and really doing all the costing and purchasing within those systems. Okay, sure. So what would you say that some of the drawbacks are of your career choice? Like, are there extensive training? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of, you know, there's four years of your life that's a little bit chaotic. And what are there long hours? What what, what kind of issues do you see with the career path you're in? Um, again, I think it's one where it really depends on the culture of a company. Um, in some of my previous positions, I was working anywhere from 40 to 60 hours, depending on the role, um, and depending on the company and depending on the needs at that point in time. Um, with the company that I'm at now with Integral, they're very, um, they're very task oriented as opposed to time oriented. And I think that's a lot due to the really good management that we have that says, you know what? we understand that you have a personal life and we want you to be well-rested and enthusiastic and excited to be here. Um, So they've really built our team um, around that. And so we have people that, you know, we do sometimes work really long hours, but in that same right, we also, you know, try our best to stick to our schedule because we're better when we do. Okay. So, but it Um, is very possible in somewhere where, you know, 
where it's more traditional that you that your job your career path may have longer hours where that is a that's a likely situation so if you're uh you know if you're somebody who doesn't like to work overtime this may not be something that would appeal to you absolutely well and even even at the best company you're still going to have some periods of time where you have to give them more we have an ERP implementation coming up here soon and I know that I'm going to be working probably some long weeks and probably some weekends um, and that's necessary to get the job done um, I think in a lot of ways they're very flexible um, and they're willing to work with you um, to make sure that you know you're still your best individual when you're there mm-hmm. um, and still meet your family obligations and things of that nature but you're still such an integral part that that, that, that is a given that's going to happen. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, there's extensive training, you would say. So the degree takes four years, right? And it's mm-hmm. pretty in-depth, right? Well, and, and the four years isn't necessarily the end game either. Um, okay. I would so highly encourage an MBA. Okay. Correct. Um, and then with the CPA and the CMA license or the certifications, um, there's also continuing education that goes with those. So you have to have a certain number of credit hours every year to maintain your certification. Okay, um, so it's a never-ending thing. You, you absolutely. So if you're somebody who's wants to one and done, this isn't for you. No, and but really, that's one where I don't think any career is a one and done. Um, I think you're always learning new things, whether it's in a formal setting or it's an informal setting. Um, so I don't want that to scare people away and people going, oh my God, I have to do all these credits every year. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are offered online. A lot of them are available for free. Um, okay, so, so it's, it's really not option. one where you're limited or in any way structured. Um, a lot of the, uh, big four companies, big four accounting firms, um, offer free continuing education credits. Um, and it's a quick, you know, online course or it's, you know, an online course and some quizzes. They're really, they're not bad. So. Okay. So it's not a big, once you go through the intensive four-year MBA, get the licenses, the, the continuing is minimal compared to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what would you say some of the benefits are to your career choice? Are you, um, you know... What, is it is it is it a good livelihood? Are you capable of really working with it? Is there a possibility to work from home? Are you able to open your own your own place if that's what you're looking to do? I would say, I mean, definitely accounting is well paid. Um, I, and I guess that depends on your definition of well paid. Um, uh, there basically uh, I want to I want people to I don't want to give exact figures but I want to talk like is it something where you can not worry about it's you know it's not minimum wage it's a median income type position I would say definitely accounting opens up a lot of potential for good wages okay um I would if I ever met an accountant that was making probably under $50,000 I would be shocked Okay. Um, again, that depends on location. $50,000 oh, in New York doesn't yeah. mean the same as Ohio. Absolutely. Um, I feel personally that I make a really good living. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm compensated fairly. I feel like I have a lot of room for growth in my compensation. Um, 
And you tend to get all the standard benefits. You get the 401k matching, you get the educational tuition reimbursement. Um, I have three weeks vacation. And you can um, work at corporate jobs where you can obtain those types of things if you're looking for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's definitely people who make a lot more money than I do. Um, and there's people that, you know, they make less than I do. Um, sure. It just kind of depends on your field and your specialty. Um, one of the biggest things that I've seen lately is that there is a huge demand for cost accountants that just isn't being met by the current market. Um, okay. That's it's a been, really big positive. I mean, if people are looking for jobs that, you know, they're going to get a job after they get their degree, that's absolutely... I would, I would say if you are experiencing any kind of long-term unemployment in accounting, um, then you're doing something really, really wrong. Um, there's definitely, I have a lot of friends that are in accounting, and there's definitely periods where, you know, you get laid off. Sure. Um, I don't think I've ever seen any of them go longer than a month without a job. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it, there's definitely a lot of job security, even if it's not necessarily at that particular company. Um, people are always in demand if you have the right skills in accounting. Um, and even sometimes if you don't, even if you have kind of a weird background, um, if you have an accounting degree, you should be able to find a job that can support a family. Okay. Plain and simple. That's, you know, that's really good. So what would you say that your best day has been? What, what made you, what made it the best day of your career? Hmm. So my best day, I actually, I prepared for my worst day first. <laughs> so, well, if you want to go um, with your worst day, we can do your worst day and then we can do your best day. Let's, let's with worst day first um, okay. and then we'll you know end on a high note with best day um, probably um, one of the things that is hard as an accountant um, especially when you work at a company of any decent size is that you tend to know all the negative things that are coming before they happen um, so changes in headcount changes in staffing um, changes in whether or not a plant is going to be open next year or not um, you tend to know things further in advance than you want to. Um, and I remember there was a day in 2016, we were working on, or 2015, um, we were working on budgets for 2016. And I knew of six different layoffs that were going to be happening at the start of the year. Um, so for essentially four months, I had to look these people in the eye and know that they, at the beginning of the year, they were not going to have a job. Um, That's not for the faint of heart. No, it's really not. And on one hand, you feel, especially when they're your friends, you feel morally obligated to tell them. But on the other hand, it's not your place to tell them. Yeah. Um, and certainly would breach confidentiality. Um within the company. And that's, I mean, that's a fireable offense. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a hard position to be in. And I remember sitting there and we were sitting around the conference room. It was late in the evening. Um, and we realized there was no way to cut costs enough that we were able to keep these people. And I think that was probably one of the worst days of my career. Um, I and I actually ended up, see that. yeah. And I ended up calling, um, a former boss and saying, I feel like I've failed. 
And he said to me, it was funny because um, I don't know if most people continue to talk to their bosses well after they leave a company, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the the old adage that people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. It it doesn't seem to really apply to me. I've always left companies. I've never left bosses. Well, that's Um, really rare. So that's good. (laughs) I would take them all with me if I could. (laughs) Um, And so I called him and I said, you know, I feel like I failed. It was my first job, you know, after I'd finished my degree. It was my first layoff. And I'm going, I feel like I failed. I feel like there's something I should have done that would have made my plant more successful, that would have allowed me to cut costs further, that would have, you know, I, I feel like I'm taking the easy way out by laying these people off, even though it wasn't my direct decision. And he asked me, it was funny because he he asked me, he goes, I know you just bought some apple trees. And I had, I I bought a house in 2015 um, and I bought apple trees to plant in the yard. And um, he said to me, he said, you know, when these trees get to be a certain age, you have to look at the branches and find out, are those branches going to carry this tree into adulthood? And I said, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And he goes, what do you do with the branches that don't? And I said, well, you have to trim them. And he goes, okay. He goes, when you're trimming those, he goes, are you trimming those because you want to get rid of those branches because they're going to be producing productively? Or are you getting rid of those branches because they're going to kill the tree? And I said, well, they're going to kill the tree. And he goes, that's what a layoff is. He goes, you've got to protect the tree. And sometimes that means you have to trim some branches. And... It really hit home that, you know, I have to protect my tree. And if the unfortunate side effect from that is I have to trim a few branches, that's what a layoff does. Um, that's an amazing it was a hard analogy. lesson. Yeah, that's an amazing analogy yeah. for a really horrible situation. And it didn't make the situation feel any better. But I didn't feel like I had failed. I mean, I still sometimes look back and go, okay, what if I had done this or what if I had done that? Um, but I knew that the choice that I was making was because it was the right one and it wasn't just, you know, oh, I'm deciding to whack off some limbs today. Yes. It was a malicious intent. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that, that does sound, I mean, okay. So that, that may, I mean, that's a, that's a really, that's a really good lesson. I mean, your lesson, that lesson to you is really helpful to other people because some people don't have the heart for that. And so I think that's, I mean, that's, that's a really, really good insight into some of the, you know, some of the issues that can occur in your position that you would, I would have never even thought about that being a real thing. Um, But that makes a ton of sense. And I I think anybody will tell you, um, it doesn't matter how many times you do a layoff, it hurts each and every time. Um, And it never gets any easier. And that's, that's the hard part. But I think that if you ever get to a point where doing a layoff becomes easy, you need to get the holy hell out of your field. Um, yeah. Because then you've reached a level of coldness that you just don't care anymore. Um, and you need to maybe take some time off, take, you know, a sabbatical or something, because if it ever doesn't hurt, there's something wrong there. Um, it should yeah. hurt. I mean, it's yeah, a layoff. Absolutely. That's, that's affect. I mean, that's affecting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you just registered our hearts out 
and you took <laughs> us to to the worst day we can find in this in your career choice. So let let's bring it back up. So what what what's the best day you've had? Um, so the best day, and it it sounds. It sounds very, I'm going to give you two best days because I think that was really actually a very hard worst day. <laughs> um, it was. It was a very hard worst day. So one of the best days I think I've ever had was actually during my last, I gave a three-week notice when I left um, Landmark. And um, I loved the company. They felt like family. They felt like home to me. Um, but it was definitely time for me to move on. And um, we had just brought in a new controller um, into the company. And he was sitting with me to learn everything that I had put together for them um, and all the different reporting packages um, and kind of the data warehouse I had created to supplement the ERP that was, I think, still at that point older than I was. Um, Yeah, it would have been older than I was. Um, So a good 30 years old. And they were still using this ERP system. Um, and he looked at me and it was the strangest compliment I think I've ever received. And I didn't really realize it was a compliment until after it was done. Um, and he looks at me and he goes, I don't think you've realized how much you've handicapped them by what you've done here. (laughs) And I'm like, in a minute, I'm like, that's a really crappy thing to say. And he's like, no, he's like, I don't think you realize what a huge amount of work you've done that they're not really going to get and they're not going to find in another person to create something like this. I mean, I had essentially created my own ERP system um, with a half dozen Excel spreadsheets and three big databases that were made in access. Um, And so it was one of those where I, I sat there and I went, oh, and I realized the magnitude of what I'd created when I was at Landmark. And I went, holy shit, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Um, because I'd been so entrenched in it, I didn't really see the magnitude. It was just like, I need this to get my job done. So, of course, I have to create it. Um, and that that was probably one of those feelings that I think I walked out of there just like floating on cloud nine. <laughs> Feeling really valued, um, important. Yeah, well, in the same sense, I also felt really bad because I was leaving, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, But I put together, you know, this really thick binder of instructions and troubleshooting instructions. And, you know, if this happens to go wrong and, oh, by the way, if the CEO wants this, here's how you go find it. Um, So I left a huge instruction packet with it. And I I know they're doing well, so I still keep up with them. Um, They do phenomenally well. I'm so proud of them. but that that sent me out on cloud nine. Um, That's a good way and then to leave. it was it was a great way to leave. I cried the rest of the two weeks that I was there. Um, but then so I started at Howden in 2015 in April. And I believe it was I want to say it was September or October. Um, right around this time, actually. Um I got a strange call on my phone and I looked at the number and, you know, it had the, it was definitely an international call. And so I, I answered it because what else do you do with your phone? Yeah. And there's this gentleman on the other line and he goes, is this Jennifer Coleman? And he's got this really thick accent. And I said, yes. And he goes, and I, I wish I could remember his name and I'm kicking myself because I don't, 
But he goes, you know, this is so-and-so, and I'm calling from Howden, Denmark. <laughs> He's like, I've heard you're really good with Excel. Oh, my goodness. And, That's and amazing. Howden is multinational. I think we're in, like, 16 or 17 different countries. Um, and then we're owned by Colfax, which is in, um, I want to say, like, 30-something countries. And I'm this little cost account sitting in Medina, Ohio, getting a call from Denmark from this guy saying... So I heard you're really good with Excel. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's it's always makes me laugh because you there's this trickle of information that would always go around Howden. And even if you weren't physically somewhere, you would often get the gossip from other locations. Um, but I remember answering his question um, and helping him work through an issue he was having on a spreadsheet. And then hanging up with him and then going, holy shit. <laughs> Somebody from Denmark <laughs> just, called. just called me. Um, oh, your expertise went between countries. Yep. And it's it's funny because there's things that, you know, you never expect to happen. And I would have never experienced if I hadn't worked at Houghton. Um, and working for a global company was people randomly calling from, you know, Johannesburg or, you know, from India going, so... You know, we hear you're working on this, and I'm going, yeah, maybe. Wait, who wants to know? Who are you? Um, and that was that was always really exciting. I loved working with um, the the controller actually that we had down um, in Mexico. His name was Juan, and um, I don't know if I can say his last name, so I won't put him on the spot. But he is one of the funniest men I think I've ever met in my entire life. Um, very cordial, very personal, incredibly knowledgeable. Um, but I always loved having conversations with him because he would have the same approach that I do, which is if you don't know the solution to your problem, go on the shop floor and start, find someone who does. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to find another accountant like that was just fantastic. Absolutely. So would you say, is, is that what what we really love most about your career choice? Like, is it the connections you're making, all these relationships, this feeling of importance? You have such a massive impact, it seems like, on the company. Um, is, is that what really draws you to it? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think probably one of my favorite things... And maybe it's just phrased a different way, but I think one of my favorite things is being able to walk out on the shop floor and people know my name and they know that if they need something to get their job done, they can ask me for it. Um, because I really don't, I mean, I hate to say I don't really do anything, um, but I'm not a value generating center. There's no customer that if they saw a line on their you know, bill that said, you know, services rendered by cost accountant, they're not going to pay for that. They're going to look at it and go, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. But if I can help, you know, we had one gentleman who, when I worked at Howden, um, it took him a while to trust me um, because the company that I worked at and the location that I worked at was a new acquisition. Um, so they were all very nervous whenever they saw an accountant on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, but we used to have, you know, a pit that he used to go into and the one day he came up to me and he said, I need a flashlight. And I'm going, what do you mean you need a flashlight? And he goes, well, the flashlight that I have doesn't work. 
And he goes, and I have to go down into this pit. And I don't know if it was, I think it was part of the balancing process. And he says, I have to go down in this pit and I can't see really well. So it takes me longer to get my job done. And I'm going, well, then get a freaking flashlight. <laughs> what are you telling me this for? And then I had found out, you know, after, you know, quizzing him for a while, um, that he was having difficulties with one of the buyers and the buyer was having difficulties because he had been put basically on lockdown in terms of spend um, because I had said we need to stop spending money. And I'm going, well, shit. Um, <laughs> so <you laughs> so I went out and I, problem. yeah. And I, so I went to Home Depot and I bought him a flashlight and handed it to him. And sure enough, that's all he needed. Um, but being able to get obstacles out of people's way so that they can do their job, I think is most satisfying for me. Um, because again, I, I'm a cost center. I'm not a value added. No customer is going to pay for my services. Sure. Um, so but if really I can make the lives, it. yeah. And I really like helping people. So that's, to me, the pinnacle of what I do. Do you currently have any expansion plans for your career? Are you looking at going up? Are you happy? Are you staying put? Are you researching anything, doing anything uh, towards changing? Yeah, um, I'm actually probably in the next three, four years, I'm going to be looking to go back and get my MBA. Um, I keep saying I'm going to go get my CMA, and I just need to kind of buckle down and do it. Um, that's probably one of the big ones that I need to get done. Um I don't know if I ever really want to go towards the CFO route, okay. um, but that depends on what that continues to involve, evolve into. Um, a lot of the things that I see my own CFO do, I really like. Um, he's very hands-on. Um, you know, he goes out onto, we have got three different plant locations, but he'll go out into the Walton Hills location and he knows everybody by name, which floored me the first time I saw him do it. Because at first I thought he was just reading, like, ID badges. He's not. <laughs> he knows the full backstory for each of the individuals that works there. And he knows how their mom is doing. And he knows, you know, whether or not they went fishing that weekend. Um, he's really quite outgoing. And he's very much involved with the day-to-day -day operations of the company even if it's not in a hands-on sense. Um, and so if I can be a CFO like that, then absolutely I would go in that direction. Um, but if I have to be the CFO that sits at corporate headquarters and wears the suit and tie and, you know, never really comes out of my office except for, you know, quarterly calls and, you know, talking to shareholders, I'm not interested. And that sounds boring as hell to me. <laughs> with us knowing that you're happy so yes. we've gone through and we've learned a ton about this so I just have a few more questions for you um okay. what did you want to be when you were a kid did you ever think accounting was going to be it <laughs> well I I have to laugh at that because um so my, I have an older brother who's five years older than me um and he was always really into fantasy fiction and D&D &D and all of that and um so when I was little, I started reading like Edith Hamilton's mythology. And because naturally I live in a democracy or democratic republic or whatever you want to call it, um, I assumed that you could apply for the position to be the son. Um, <laughs> and I awesome. think it was like, 
six or seven when I finally realized that the sun was a star and it was not a being. Um, and from then on, I wanted to be a lawyer, which, as you can tell, that did not happen. Um, but no, I actually didn't want to be an accountant, and I fought against being an accountant. Um, even when I was working at Sterling, I didn't want to be an accountant. I was like, nope, don't want to do it. Um, <laughs> and I actually left Sterling because I didn't want to be an accountant, and I saw that that was the direction I was going. Um, and I was a personal chef out in Seattle for a while. Um so it's something I've long fought against, <laughs> and that's probably how I ended up on this sort of weird path that I'm on. Um, but it's one where I wouldn't trade for anything now, um, yeah. and I wish I could go back and shake, you know, 18-year-old me and just go, go get your freaking degree. You're going to love this. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, I was saying, in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. So yeah, so I wanted to be the sun, and then I wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> okay, that's that's an interesting trajectory. It kind of makes sense. It's um, all it's all gone downhill since the sun, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty bold. That's a pretty bold one there. Um, so what is the best piece of business advice that you've received? best piece of business advice as an accountant or is it just in operating within a business yeah it doesn't even really matter what it's about like in terms of business but towards your career path um like what what was something somebody said to you that you just kind of applied throughout your traits of being in this career gotcha um well, I would actually say there's probably two things if you don't mind me yeah absolutely adding on to that so um I have a professor. Um, he's, his name is Dr. Hesford. I absolutely love him. Um, he has a bachelor's degree in engineering. He has a master's in accounting. He has a PhD in accounting. Um, and he teaches in Switzerland now. Um, he teaches accounting. But accounting never really made sense to me as a language until he told me, take everything back to cash. Um, so that's my bit of advice for accounting students that are struggling. Um, take everything back to cash, take all your transactions back to cash and figure out how it would impact that. And that'll usually put you on the right path to figuring out, you know, whether a transaction should be a debit or a credit, whether it should go to one account versus another account. Um, take it back to cash. I don't know why it works, but it always does. <laughs> so that's my, that's my bit of information for accounting students. Um, and then I would say as a whole, um, learn how to build relationships. I know I think I've said that like 8 million times during this conversation. Um, but being able to build relationships quickly and being able to establish trust um, quickly can have a huge impact on your career at any company. Um, the only thing you really have in life is your integrity. And being able to establish that early on, build those relationships, um, understand that, you know, we're not capable of doing everything for a company. Um, I think that's really the biggest bit of advice I can give to anyone. Um, that's a pretty good piece of advice. I think that applies career-wide, even outside of accounting. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you can figure out how to build trust and how to build those relationships, 
people naturally just want to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's, you know, the militant optimist in me, but I really believe that at our, you know, core, we like helping other people. Yeah. Um, so once people get to know you and they realize what you're about, I think that makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. Um, and you can get things done so much faster when people say, hey, you know what? Jen wants to do this. Here's the support of why she wants to do this. Sounds like a good idea. Now we just have to execute it. Um, makes life easy. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jen. We've gone through all of the cost accounting on your experience. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and talk about um what you're doing, how you're doing it, the reality of cost accounting. Um, And I look forward to hearing more from you and best of luck. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. If you like this episode or you're looking to change your career, go to 28andsearching.com or become a patron to get exclusive content sent directly to you. See you next week.